From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is a podcast of KZYX's local coronavirus update for Friday, November 20th, 2020. On Fridays, Alicia Bales talks with Mendocino County's public health officer, Dr. Andy Corrin, about the county's response to the pandemic and listeners call in with their questions. This is Alicia Bales. Finally, finally, we have given up on technology and we're just going back to the good old way of doing it on the phone. We have Dr. Andy Corrin here live via telephone. Good afternoon, Dr. Corrin. Hi, how you doing? Oh, it's so good to hear your voice. We just struggled to get <laughs> to get the Zoom thing happening and it failed us. So we're going to go ahead and do the local coronavirus update here on KZYX via phone. We are still going to open the phone lines here. The number here is 707-895-2448. So far, the phone lines aren't letting us down. Uh, they're still working and open. So uh, Dr. Corrin, thanks so much for adapting and, and coming on the radio today. Uh, just very brief. Since the since our listeners just heard your briefing from uh, from the the county, it sounds like uh, this is a in terms of the course of the pandemic. Right now, we're facing probably the most extreme and dangerous uh, period of time since the pandemic began. From the from the briefing you just gave, that's the impression that I got. Uh, what would you say? This is just building but it's building faster than we've ever had it built before. It's nationwide, it's California-wide, and it's definitely Mendocino-wide. And we're we're really, yes, we're really at the brink. What I said on the broadcast, I guess you heard it, the thing that impresses me is, remember that in the last 70 years of wars, the United States has lost 105,000 people, and we have lost in 10 months of COVID 250,000 of our citizens. This is huge. This is this is a very big deal now. And just because we don't have bombs exploding or uh, you know flag draped caskets coming back uh, by the by the thousands, uh, it might be hard for people to wrap their minds around the scale of the losses that we're suffering right now. But as you mentioned um, during the briefing yesterday, Mendocino County posted its I think second or third highest number of cases with thirty cases reported yesterday. And the thing that really uh, made me sit up and, and pay attention is that you said that the doubling rate has sped up in Mendocino County to six to eight days. What does that, what does that mean? And and how, how is that a change from where we've been? Well, we've had a doubling rate. Uh, There are different ways to calculate the doubling rate, Uh, but we were watching a doubling rate in the range of, since I have uh, gotten in office 60 to 77 days. And in just a few weeks, it's gone down to, to six days. So the doubling rate is the, is the amount of time that it will take for the number of cases that re- are reported each day to double. And we've gone through that. You know, the acceleration is huge. And that's what's got me frightened, and it's got the California Department of Public Health frightened, and most of the other states frightened. It seems like the only people who are not frightened are sitting in the White House. 
All right. Well, I just have a few brief clarifying questions before we open up the phone lines. One is, um, I know that a lot of questions today during the briefing from local reporters about the curfew, quote unquote curfew, which is uh, basically a shelter in place, uh, limited shelter in place from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. to not participate in non-essential activities between 10 p.m. and and 5 a.m. And that's coming from the State Department of Public Health. Uh, But we also heard today from the sheriff who um, put out a Facebook statement that he's not going to be enforcing that quote unquote curfew. And I wonder to me, all of that gnashing uh, and posturing about who's going to enforce and who's not going to enforce is really a distraction to us right now, considering what we're facing uh, in in the course of this pandemic. And I wonder if you can contextualize just briefly why the sheriff might refuse to enforce and what that means and what people in the county should take away from, from this whole discussion. Well, for one thing, I respect uh, Sheriff Kendall because he has a huge amount of other responsibilities that require a force that's, you know, that's armed and and, uh, and can overpower or save lives in other ways. And he's got to decide uh, where his energy has to be spent. Um, this doesn't mean and it never means that what we what we any of us do is written in stone and will never change. Um, but I have said, and I'll say it again, this is a citizen enforcement situation. We are facing a war with a virus, and it's getting out of control. So each of us has to stay in our home for the, you know, for the recommended period of time. Actually, this shelter-in-place order, this curfew, is not as severe as it was made in the spring. It could get more severe, but this is not as severe as it was in the spring and the summer. Um, and, and the reason for that is because there's been a lot of learning of how we can, first of all, people have changed behaviors, but also we've learned what kind of interventions uh, cause what effects and what do we really need. So there's a targeted um, uh, curfew from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. because gatherings at that time usually involve more uh, activities, and, and this is drinking alcohol, smoking pot, things like that, where people lose their inhibitions and they forget the distance rule. They forget to put their masks on. They're eating together and so on and so forth. So this is one of the areas that California has uh, has felt is a very important area to intervene on. I would make less of, you know, what uh, Sheriff Kendall is saying and other law enforcement officers because they have their own, you know, bag of, of uh, responsibilities and they have to prioritize them. Um, and we have other things uh, that we can do, but mainly the the um, the the um, transmission is within households between people. And so one of the things we did on the show earlier was to really explain that quarantine means quarantining from the other people in your household who may also be on quarantine because being in quarantine is there because you may have the infection and not show it. And so we don't want one person in quarantine who doesn't know they have it, give it to another person in quarantine who gives it to another. And that's what seems to be happening. So all these things, this is citizen enforcement. This is like, no, the bombs are not coming down from the sky. There are these little wiggly, uh, not even wiggly viruses that are infecting us. They're hanging out. They're ready to get into our eyes and in our lungs and, and start an infection. And we have to all take note. This is a learning experience. 
Right. It's. I don't think anyone ever expected that there were going to be armed officers out there enforcing this curfew. It's just a heads up that this is bad and we need to be very, very, very careful uh, and stay home between 10 and 5. It's not like a, you know, or, or we're going to get you or we're going to criminalize you. It's, hey, heads up. This is so bad that the, right. that the state government is now having to take. And they're not the only state government that's that's enforced or that's uh, putting into place this recommendation for 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. This is something that is right. that, that that needs to happen now because because things are getting uh, so extreme. But uh, there's a couple other things that I want to ask about and then let let our sure. listeners call in. Um, one of the things we've been following is uh, the testing situation in the county. And you did say today sure. that um, OptumServe is uh, going to be open seven days a week starting, I think you said, November 27th. Um, that the OptumServe site in, in Ukiah is open and is doing surveillance testing, free testing for anyone in the county. But then, of course, there is the need for surveillance testing in other areas of the county besides Ukiah. And I know you've been working on getting this mobile testing site, and and that was pretty clear that it's going to be a brick-and-mortar site that's going to be movable, but that that you're working on getting that open by December 2nd. But the, the real... Uh, the question that's still hanging in the air is what about the surveillance testing through the clinics that had been happening through UCSF? Uh, that contract ended, and now uh, you said that you had put in a, a, another proposal for, for a contract with a, a lab through the state. What's happening with that? Are we going to get surveillance testing to continue through the clinics as it has been happening throughout the, the pandemic? So... Um this traveling uh, site or this traveling um, um, program will set up in different communities around the county. And hopefully that, first of all, let me just say that the amount of um, testing that's now going on in Ukiah at the test site has more than doubled what we were doing before. So people are, are really utilizing it, and they're getting used to doing surveillance testing, which is great. And, of course, the um, public health department goes out when there's outbreaks, and we have another set of tests from another lab. These tests are wonderful, and it's even more wonderful that we were able to get them and get them for free for our clinic partners and for the, for the county. So the state was offering that, and they changed their contractor uh, from Optum uh, that worked by sending their uh, lab tests to multiple different laboratories um, to Optum, which is still the head of logistics, that sends it to a state laboratory that was just set up by a company called Perkins Elmer, which is very well known. It's a very established laboratory company, and they've set that up in one of the counties south of us. It is, I think, already uh, pumping out 40,000 tests a day, and the idea is to get up to 150,000 tests a day. What we've done is we have gotten uh, the ability to open more time at OptumServe here in town, and then we have another program, same thing with OptumServe, to have the mobile sites. So uh, we have a team that will actually set up a testing for a community here and do it for half a day or a whole day and move on uh, to another community and start testing there. And so that's going to help. And I'm not saying it's going to do the whole thing, but it'll help. And uh, really the numbers of, of tests that will be available through that 
will exceed what was available through the clinics before. However, there's still a need for the clinics to have tests at their sites. Oh, God, absolutely. Testing. That that mobile yeah. site seems like it's, it's, it's nice, it's good, but the clinics are a whole different thing. They have relationships with uh, particularly vulnerable people in our communities. They have generational relationships in Anderson Valley. The Latinx community is uh, very well connected with the clinic and they are bilingual and, you know, trust them in a way that they may not trust this other mobile Optum Optum site, although it is awesome. It's wonderful. You're absolutely right. But what is the role uh, and what is the relationship between the county and the clinics uh, as the clinics have been doing such invaluable work on the front lines of the testing efforts here. I totally agree with you, Alicia. And we are working on getting another service that OptumServe and the state are offering, but we don't have it yet. And so that, it's my, you know, my hope, my opinion, I think I'm feeling pretty well assured that in the next, you know, several weeks, that will also be online. And uh, my understanding is that that'll be uh, a very different type of testing, but it will be available uh, to the clinics, and uh, there may be other advantages to that as well. So it's coming, uh, and we do respect the role of the clinics uh, and and their established relationships with their communities. Uh, That's really the only way that the Department of Public Health can continue to function for the whole county is to partner with our clinics uh, that that reach every corner of our of our county, so this is a high priority for us. But we can only do what we can do, and we can't provide it for free. We can't get it for free outside of this state sponsored testing. Right. So we've brought online those services that we we didn't want to interrupt uh, the um, the testing site at at the um, fairgrounds, and we did want to. So we did see that there was an important. Um, uh, uh, a need for doing it outside of Ukiah. And we did, uh, and we are pursuing uh, this other contract but it's you know it's taking time, yeah. And uh, well, it's not on our side. We've we've responded as quickly or more quickly. Uh, you know, we've pushed the state in some ways. Sure. Uh, but uh, but we can only do what we can do. Well, and so uh, that's what I always wonder totally too. Agree. Is is at, at certain points in the pandemic, uh, you've called on Mendocino County residents to help in those efforts by calling and uh, by making their needs known to the state. And I right. wonder um, if you need us, you know, here we are, call on us if, if there's something, <laughs> because the, that testing seems like it's been a, a, a crucial part of keeping Mendocino yeah. County safe and, and, and should be something that we don't lose. But let's move on. One last thing. There is an outbreak uh, in uh, in, on the coast, connected to the Noyo Harbor Inn in Fort Bragg, and public health is having outbreak testing this weekend. Uh, do you want right. to talk about that? Well, there were uh, several employees who came down with uh, COVID. Uh, the uh, uh, business operator closed the place down, has sterilized it, is working very closely with public health to get this contained and reopen it up. And they have, you know, and so we do, we do have outbreak testing scheduled, and I believe it's tomorrow, but I, but uh, look for the advertisements. Becky wasn't able to get on because the phone lines are, you know, 
are uh, not as capable as the Zoom lines at this point. So, or I turned the question over to her. All but right. No, well, I, it's, I, I do have it. In, or, yeah, I do have it in front of me. It's Saturday, November twenty first, nine thirty a.m. to twelve thirty p.m. at the Mendocino Coast Clinic, two hundred five South Street in Fort Bragg. So that's uh, outbreak testing, and it says please get tested if you or anyone else around you has a connection to Noyo Harbor Inn in Fort Bragg, whether it be by means of employment or a visit to the inn or restaurant within the last two weeks. So that's outbreak testing Great. in Fort Bragg tomorrow from 9.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. All right. Let's open up these phone lines. I, I have a lot of clarification I want to do, but I also want to make sure that the phone lines are open and people have a chance to talk with you. So the number here in the studio is 707 895 Four eight, and let's take our first call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Yeah. Um, my son is telling. I have two questions. My son is telling me that there's two day test at Dodger Stadium where you get your results right away. Is that true? And how safe is it? And when are we going to have that here? Uh, I'm not sure what the caller said about a two day test. Is that a two day turnaround test? Turn time? Yes. Okay. Well, that's a great question. So the contract that we're getting through OptumServe is uh, contractually to get results out within one to two days. So is that the same thing they're having at Dodger Stadium in L.A.? I can't tell you what they have at Dodger Stadium. All right. What's your I, I What's your second question, caller? <laughs> okay. The other one is that there's a, a, a store that I went to in Ukiah where the people that work there have something hanging around their neck, and it sits out. It's a piece of plastic that sits way out at a 45 degree angle from their face, and they have no masks. So I I tried calling that number, and I was waiting for 15 minutes. So. Which the call center number? Yeah, four seven two two seven four nine. Okay, two seven five nine. Five nine. Oh, okay. Yeah, four seven two two seven five nine. Try that. Yeah, okay. that kind of a mask is not adequate. The mask oh, no. should be covering the net. Well, you know, so I don't have to repeat it. But you know, oh. people are experimenting with other things. Some people feel uncomfortable. Um, I don't want to be uh, undisrespectful, but, you know, there's a certain amount of discomfort to wearing a mask. I feel it the same way. Um, and But it's needed to protect us all. So, yeah, call the call center. Most of the time, it's information and education that people need. And... Um, and not like putting handcuffs on folks For or closing sure. their this doors. Is all our first, okay. It's all of our all right, first pandemic. <laughs> okay, okay, thanks. All right, let's take another call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Um, yeah, my name is Jeff. And I heard that, that one of the virus um, antidote or the one we're going to be taking, I guess, is a thing that replicates the outside of the coronavirus so oh, that your body knows what to attack or whatever. I was wondering, it's going to be really hard to distribute. Why can't they make an inner RNA that has the, uh, you know, your serum in it and that to give it to somebody, it can spread to the next person. We can just give like 10% of the population 
an inoculation that open everything. The inoculation to all the rest of them by what we're trying to cover ourselves from getting nettles. That's all I was wondering. All right. Thanks, caller. little armchair epidemiology there. Do you have anything to say to that, Dr. Corin? So, you know, the... The the questions was breaking up, yeah. But um, but I think what he was asking is why not use an immunization instead of all this rigmarole that we're wrapping ourselves up and separating ourselves and all this kind of stuff. Is that part of the question? Uh, it sounded like the question was about the upcoming vaccine and how it's an mRNA vaccine with the you know that. But he was talking about why not use serum and. And use, um, you know, get immunity by sort of infecting people throughout the throughout the population. That is a great, great question, and uh, that's not just being an armchair scientist, but that is a very useful question. So there are several different types of immunizations that have been used in the past, and all except the mRNA are very, very slow to develop. Um, we're much more experienced with them, but the mRNA um, has some advantages to it as long as it is safe. And as a new process, we're very concerned about the safety. And we're concerned about the safety in doing these other kinds of, of um, vaccinations as well. The interesting thing is that the mRNA is reproducing a small particle of the virus that is the part that actually attaches to cells and causes its infection. And so the immune system is going to target that rather than the whole cell or the, or the, uh, the nuclear material of the cell or things like that. And it's able to do that, um, and I'll see if I can get this right, I'll try, uh, but by um, developing the RNA that codes for that glycoprotein, that, that uh, chemical that is on the outside of the cell, and, um, and, and obtaining some of the RNA of the virus and, um, and then putting that in the, in the human body that then produces just enough of just that part of the virus that the uh, body can become immune to. So there's no virus that we're uh, going to be injecting into people, which nearly all of the other uh, vaccines have done, either used uh, viruses that have been changed so that they're attenuated and they don't cause vaccines, but then they can also mutate and, or I'm sorry, that don't cause infections, but those kind can also mutate in the body and potentially cause infections. Now, you know, they've done a lot of research on that to make sure it's safe, but there's always some that can. Um, there's others where they break the viruses down or the, or the bacteria down, and they inject that into, uh, into people. The problems with those are that um, it takes a lot of time to actually produce the 300 million doses times two, because there'll be a booster shot to these, uh, so 600 million doses, and distribute them around a month apart. Uh, it's, a, it's a very, very time-consuming process. Now, there may be vaccines down the pike uh, that will use some of those older technologies, but the new technology, what you're saying, Alicia, mRNA, is, uh, is very new. And I, you know, as an old family doc, I don't usually trust new, but uh, I'm hearing uh, the characteristics of it, 
and uh, the questions that have been asked by people who really are in the know. Now, it's going to have to be approved by the feds, and there's enough uh, not only among the lay public, but among the scientific and, and uh, medical public, uh, there's enough question about the integrity of the current federal systems for approving these uh, drugs that the state of California has already convened a gold medal panel of people who've been doing vaccinology and on these federal pal- panels in the past to look at the safety and efficacy itself. So when these newer vaccines or any of the vaccines come in, California is going to really vouch for the safety and efficacy. But the question that uh, this person, this uh, caller uh, raised is, is very apropos. So in some way, we're producing a part of the virus that is not the virus itself, but is a part of the virus that is very vulnerable by the virus. And we ourselves, are, the people who are, in, uh, who are vaccinated, are going to be producing that so our immune systems can learn how to fight against it. That's what's new about this technology. All right. The number in the studio here is 707-895-2448. The phone lines are open. We are on the line with Dr. Andy Corin, Mendocino County's public health officer, and we're doing our weekly Friday uh, coronavirus update with open lines. You're welcome to call in. Until we get a call, oh, there it is. All right, they never take that long. We'll let we'll take the next caller. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Um, yeah, this is uh, Jeff again. Okay, hi. Yeah. And my question mainly was, can't we give part of, like he says, that remakes the stuff inside you to make you immune? Can't we give you enough to make you make? more so you spew it out when you speak and talk and give everyone you can the one let them get that and spew out or corona um vaccine as they speak and walk around ah. instead of trying to vaccinate all these millions and millions of people with a needle e that's for twice just that infect everybody when with immunity the virus can spread really easy let's just let the vaccine spread really easy Okay. That's what I'm asking. All right. Thanks for clarifying, caller. So that's that's a great question. Very perceptive, very, you know, very creative. Um, And I can't say that I know the answer truly to that, but it sounds like what you'd have to be spewing out is something that could multiply inside the person that has it. And that's not what's being produced at this point. And we don't want something that will actually infect us. Some vaccines in the past have. We have attenuated uh, measles vaccines uh, and some other vaccines, and that's how they work. But we're giving it person by person in a very slow way to all the infants, actually, in the country. Uh, and, and we don't have the time to do that. Um, there's not nearly 300 million uh, adults or infants that we vaccinate each year. I mean, it just doesn't happen. So it's a great suggestion, and maybe it will happen, but it, it raises another whole set of potential problems that could go wrong. So, you know, I don't want to say that's not a great idea. I think it's a great idea, but, uh, but that's not what's being developed now. And that would be, a, you know, more research. So, you know, and, and what they are doing now is going at, like they say, warp speed. Um, 
they would have to do, they would actually have to back this up and develop. I don't know how they would do this. All right. But it, it would take more research. We've so. got a couple more callers, so let's take our next Great. one. Good. Nope, lost that one. Okay, call back, caller, 707-895-2448. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Good afternoon. I watched a program with uh, Dr. Richard Miller where he was interviewing two gentlemen, uh, a doctor, a physician, and he had the, the flu shot, um, or it might have been the COVID shot, let's say. And uh, it was five days later, and he had no reaction. So when I had the flu shot twice, I had a severe reaction and had to stay in bed for three days. I couldn't even lay down. So I read somewhere that you could take, like, maybe half the dosage, uh, and, and maybe that would not, you know, you wouldn't react so severely to it. Uh, so let's say I'm thinking about the covid a vaccine, uh, could I take half of it? Um, do you think half of it would do anything? You know, honestly, you're asking the wrong person about that. The people who deal with that are the folks who are researching it very vigorously right now. But when they come up with doses and schedules like boosters, um, they do a lot of that research. I mean, that is part of what they're looking at. So they're going to look at uh, at kind of question, but also the reactions most of us have if we have it. You know, the vast majority of people don't really have a reaction except, ouch, that hurts. It's a shot. Of course it does. And then the next couple of days people have sometimes muscle aches and pains where they got a shot because the shot, because that hole is healing. Um, but the other, uh, the other side effects, by and large, I'm not talking about, uh, the most serious ones, but most serious ones also, involve our own immune system overreacting to the vaccine. Now, would a lower dose do, you know, be as good with less side effects? That's a question. I think there would be an assumption that a lower dose would cause less problems, and it would be something to, to prove or disprove. It's a hypothesis. And then if it did cause less problems, did it cause as much immunity? Because that's what you want to get in the end to someone who's immune. So other people struggle with other things. Can you give the whole shot instead of a, a shot and a booster? Can you give one shot at a time so there's only one shot and that's looked into? Or can you give the same thing, you know, in a smaller dose three or four times? The problem with multiple shots, multiple vaccinations, is that with each vaccination, there's a drop-off in the numbers of people who get successfully immunized. So these are complex questions, and I honestly, I don't know the answers to them, but they're good questions. Yep. And I'm going to, at this point, trust the folks who are doing the research and the folks who are checking up from California on the research that's being done and, uh, and evaluated and approved federally. Right. Leave nothing to chance. Um, you had mentioned yeah. during the COVID briefing for the county that there's a flu shot clinic tomorrow at the Department of Public Health. Do you want to do you have that in front of you? That's from 8 to 12. And uh, if you, you know, it's uh, for a donation, if you can, if you can't, it's free. And it's between 8 and 12 tomorrow. And it's a drive through clinic. Uh, and I understand they're able to do uh, several hundred of those. So come on in. We definitely don't want a twindemic. Get your your flu virus vaccine 
now while it's available. And if you can't get it here, get it through a pharmacy or it's, your clinic. Um, and public health uh, is in Ukiah on Dora Street, is that right? Yes. Okay, so it's just there'll be a drive-through flu shot clinic. Hey, that's cool. That makes it easy for those people yeah. inland. Um, great. Well, we've got a few minutes left, just a few, and we've got one one call on the line. Let's see what they have to say. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, I'm um, calling to find out whether um, anyone knows if OptumServe at the fairgrounds is still doing the assumed negative testing such that if you go in and get tested, you only get notified if you get a positive or if they notify you either way. I believe you can call in for results. They usually give you a number to call and a, and a code number, and you can call in for the results. I don't know whether they're um, only calling positives. Honestly, have you, you caller, have you heard that that has changed? Because every time I've gone to OptumServe, which has been several times, they... Get, they send you a text and they post it in your yeah. account and they, you know, you have a PDF of a, of a result, whether it's negative or positive. Right. Yeah. I just have, uh, I know of someone who has not heard and uh. has an account. And so, um, I was just trying to clarify and I couldn't reach any of the numbers on the Optum yeah. ser- from the Optum Service uh. website. So I thought I'd check. So a couple things. One is the call center. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to say it again, uh, is 472-2759, and they can most often help you get results. If it's been a significant delay, uh, if it's over a week ago, the OptumServe lab, remember, it's just starting up. It started in November, so uh, it's just starting up. And they did have a technical glitch at the lab where some of the results were, uh, they were not, uh, they were not correct. They were not reportable. And I don't know if they've gotten in touch with everybody. My understanding is that they, and they can't redo the same sample. So they're trying to get people back to, to redo those tests. But give a call to the call center. And, um, you know, if it's if it's been more than two days, then we should be able to get your results or you should be texted your results. Thank you. That's very helpful. All right. Thanks okay. for the call. Good. Um, so are you saying that OptumServe now is expecting results in two days? Yes. Consistently? The contract with the state is to produce results within one to two days. Wow. And what I'm hearing from the California Testing Task Force is that the average is less than two days now. Okay. Uh, 1.6 or something like that. Now, I'm not saying that that's everybody's experience. That's an average. And I've, I've heard also... You know, you hear from the ones who don't hear it right away. Sometimes you hear from somebody who say, whoa, I got that really fast. I'm really happy. But you don't. You hear more from the people who did not have results. But what the testing task force is reporting is that they're getting the results out uh, in uh, an average of 1.6 days. Now, when we had that glitch a couple of weeks ago, we in, in uh, Mendocino County caught it really early because I was on a lot of the state calls with our health officers and complained and complained, and it turned out that there was a problem at the lab. So things happen, bad things happen, but by and large, this is a good thing. It's just taking a little bit more time to start up. And this is with the state's contract with the Perkins-Elmer lab? Is that what you called it? Correct, yeah, that's right. All so right. Perkins-Elmer is the lab. Color is the, is the corporation that's producing the, the material, all the materials. 
Uh, I don't know if you remember. Well, it's going on still. There's a lot of backlog and orders are not filled and uh, in all the testing uh, types. Uh, and then OptumServe is the logistics. They're the ones who register you. They do all the electronic reporting. Um, they set up this, this, the systems, uh, employ people to actually swab the nose, pack it up, report it, do all that kind of stuff. So OptumServe is the, is the big overall logistics organizing company. All right. We have one more call. You want to take it? Do you have time? Sure. Okay. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Uh, yes. Um, I was in, in, I think, Monday. I was uh, in Ukiah at the fairgrounds, and they they took me as a stand uh, to, to walk on, and they said that they would let me know by Sunday. That would be, like, by tomorrow. Um, and I was assuming if it was positive, um, but they they uh, they said it was like almost, it was five days. So just a well, little piece of information. A little ground truthing. Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't doubt that. And the reason why is because in general, people want to not over-promise. And so you've got, when did you get your test? Monday. And so it's already Friday. Well, that's, yeah. that's longer. Why don't, you, uh, why don't you give a call to the call center? 472. What's that number? 472. No, no, 472. 472. 2759. 2759. Five nine. This is a Correct. totally different subject. Uh, four six two two seven five nine. Four seven two two seven five nine. Oh boy. <laughs> four seven two. See, and it, this is a, the other thing I want to say is we need to have find some sort of uh, uh, loving, kind, friendly, joyful, cheer, happiness. Uh, thing that we can sort of create within ourselves uh, and or with each other. So those of us who are sheltering in place um, and or, you know, like are um, um, waiting to find out uh, if they're uh, positive, um, there needs to be a more of a systemic way in which to um, promote joyfulness. And I am not saying I know how it is, but if there's ever going to be a committee, I'd certainly like to be on it. All right. Push KZYX. They got great music. Great news. I'm a fan of, I I think justice brings joy. I think not living in poverty probably brings joy. Not getting sick. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Music's good, too. I think think any number of us could think of different ways, but I would like to see... We'd have a kind of like a, a, a whole life or, or wholesome living or joy. And it would be, we have a, a Zoom that we do something like that. And um, mm-hmm. I, I'm in two Zooms. But it, it would seem like if we could have, you know, a whole county, whole community, a feeling that we did like where there's 
and, and people would meet, but uh, with social distance, they, they would be kind of organized. Um, but, uh, uh, and I don't know who, maybe I should go to public health, the idea. I think you're on to something, and, though. I mean, something about us being connected with each other definitely improves our quality of life and brings more joy to us. We're definitely learning yeah, yeah, that through the pandemic. And there's also been more some research that the the immune systems function better when uh, they are treated in, in a loving and kind, healthy way. So uh, it, 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 anyway, All thank right. you so much. Thanks for the call, caller. All thank right. You. I think that's going to do it for us today, Dr. Corin. All right. Well, it was difficult to get on, but it was very pleasant. So it was worth have it. a great weekend. Okay. And yeah. anything that this is going to be our last uh, update for a while, you're going to be taking next Friday uh, off for Thanksgiving. Huzzah. Um, I would uh, invite you to just, you know, leave, leave our listeners with advice or words of wisdom for the Thanksgiving holiday before we sign off. Well, you know, the, the usual mantra is your mask, distance, your hygiene. Now we're talking about ventilation. But I will say another thing at this point. This is a time that we all, excuse me, I get choked up at this, but we all celebrate. We want to celebrate with our families. And this is a time when celebrating and giving to your families is keeping separate. It's it's, uh, not gathering. That's where we spread to our loved ones. So let's all try and stay home and enjoy that way. Use the Zoom for that. Yeah. And that's, that's the only thing I would say. All right. Well, with that, we, we all are uh, in our ways. We are all heartbroken, but there are creative ways to be together and, and celebrate and think of each other and do kind things for one another. So hopefully we can keep that in the utmost of our thoughts of keeping each other safe and uh, and celebrating the holiday. And we'll be back at it next year. We really will. We'll, yeah. we'll get to do this again next year. And, and hopefully now that we realize how painful it is to not get to do it, we can come up with even more holidays to have in the next year. Maybe we can just celebrate right. constantly when, once we That's get right. the vaccine throughout our community. So anyway. <laughs> something to ruminate on for the weekend and yeah. we will talk we will with you get over this we definitely will get over this and we'll talk with you uh, in two weeks after the holiday i will be back on the air for the friday coronavirus update with our health officer dr andy corn thank you so much and and have a good weekend thank you and everybody have a good holiday bye-bye right. bye-bye and thank you for listening and for bearing with us with our technical difficulties. And of course, as always, thank you for participating and calling in and continuing to stay engaged and keeping yourself informed and uh, caring about getting good information. We're doing our best to bring that to you here on KZYX and KZYZ. And we, uh, we're going to head now into, well, we've just got a few minutes left here, so I'm not going to head back into TED Radio Hour. That would be weird. So we're just going to play a little bit more music before uh, Democracy Now! coming up at 4 o'clock. Also, stay tuned at 5 for All Things Considered from National Public Radio. At 6 o'clock, we bring you the KZYX Local News and uh, The World with Marco Warman. And at 7 o'clock tonight, it is The Sports Phone. More open lines here on KZYX, a chance for you to call in and uh, have an on-the-air conversation about all things sports with Jim and Jerry Young. So stay tuned here to KZYX and... uh, 
for now. We're just going to have a little bit of music to take us into the four o'clock hour. Thanks again for listening. And I'll be back with you on Monday for the local coronavirus update with Dr. Drew Colfax. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXNZ, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.